Yes, sir. I've just received confirmation. It's time for another Blabberbrain show. Today, our special guest is retired Secret Service agent, Jeff James. I can also not confirm nor deny that I may be a man in black. That would explain these jokers behind me. Only starting to creep me out. The truth is out there, people. But it's out there. In here, it's time for the Blabberbrain show. Let's do this. Blabberbrains. And welcome once again to Blabberbrains show. We are back in our home, studio, house, basement, bunker, wherever we normally record from. Uh, you know, sorry it's been a while. Our last uh, show was via Florida. So, and we apologize once again for the quality of the video, but you know, hey, you got to make do with what you got. You know, you're, you're setting up, you want to have a show, you just got to do what you got to do. So anyways, uh, Michael Cadry here, the big M over there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> was it some sort of karate move? I didn't know what to do. I just started waving my hands and that's what happened. Hey, you're like Elvis Presley all of a sudden or something. They got the karate moves. Hey, I'll where take did it. That, where did that come from with him? All of a sudden, it's like he, he became this like black belt and he was incorporating karate into his act. I'm like, weren't you the guy no. like so long ago, like on the beach in Hawaii, strumming a ukulele and you're now all of a sudden you're doing karate up on stage? Well, that was an impression for him for you to think he wasn't fat and bloated from all the alcohol and drugs he was. I, 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 he just looked like a fat karate dude. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a shame. You're talking about one of the great, the greatest performers, singers of all time, broke all the rules. And at the end of his life, he was a, a is a half-ass Vegas act. That's why he wasn't a rock. There was no rock and roll anymore. It's no. a shame. The rock and roll was the the persona and the entourage and the <coughs> the, the women screaming and, and chasing after him. I mean, you want to consider that rock and roll? That's that's a little bit rock and roll, you know. Yeah, I mean the early stuff was. I even think you can't. It's hard to find it out there. You can't rent it. You have to go out and buy it. Is the is the Elvis Presley comeback special, which is like around what nineteen sixty nine something like that? It's in color where it's really good. Right. He's they got sort of the round table and yeah, you know, I know that. Yeah, I, know. I mean, it, it's sort of like they started the whole MTV unplugged decades before it actually came, you know, before I thought that started. was early 70s, but maybe it was late 60s. Yeah, it might have been like I'd say 70s, maybe 71. But he looked great, he was all decked out in a, yeah. in a leather jumpsuit. He's back to his old style ways, and you know, it was it was actually it's actually real, it's really good if, if you could get it if you could find it anywhere. Well, you know. that's actually a good segue into something I wanted to talk about. And this is going to really seem like a weird leap. But, you know, there were those who thought that Elvis Presley was abducted by aliens. Um, <laughs> oh, he was. And, yeah, well, <laughs> and and they're, they're keeping him alive, you know, maybe. I mean, they needed an the, the world's greatest entertainer on their planet, so they had to take him. So, but anyways, there's one thing that's been making the, the news a lot. Um and it might fit in with our theme with with bringing Jeff on. You know, we got the Secret Service, Men in Black. I don't know. You, know, you want to tie it all together. Um, UFOs all of a sudden are a big deal. Well, they're in the news. And it's almost like hardly anybody's talking about them. And like this is like so weird. Like the government has announced and admitted that some of these and leaked. I wouldn't say leaked. They they. I had to confirm that some of the leaked videos uh, of these UFOs were real. 
And uh, this is a subject, I don't know that in, in the 30 odd years that you and I have known each other, we've, I don't think we've ever talked about stuff like this. But, um, you know, so I find it interesting. And, and they keep showing like that one Tic Tac video that was being uh, traced. And uh, there's, a, there's like two or three of them around that are, that are really um, going viral, so to speak, and everybody's talking about them. But it's like the two things that are kind of, I don't, I don't want to use the word scary. The two words that are odd about this are, number one, uh, we don't know what they are. So either it's technology from another country, which is very disconcerting, you know, <laughs> to think that someone has that kind of technology and we don't know about it. And they're, they're always flying over military bases. So they're spying on us in vehicles that we can't even track or, or, or chase down or anything, or it's otherworldly. I mean, either one is pretty mind blowing. Um, I don't know. What, have, have you been following this at all? Do you have an I mean, opinion on this? I have a little bit. I mean, years ago when I was a teenager here in our neighborhood, we saw something crazy during the day that we couldn't explain. It was like, it almost looked like a hubcap sort of silver thing that was moving like this. But we never did find out what, who knows, maybe it was a weather balloon that got away. But the thing that gets, that that I think, like, I, don't, I have a hard time believing a lot of this stuff. But the thing, because not simply because, there might not be something out there. It's just we could go with our telescopes thousands and thousands and thousands of light years yeah. to see some. So this, if there is a such thing as a UFO, they have to be ten thousand years ahead of us in in evolution. Because think about how just for us to go to Mars and back is like a two year trip. So well, you can I mean, imagine going past beyond that you know, millions of miles. Yeah, but if you think about like what Einstein said, Einstein came up with the wormhole theory. And what that is, that's like kind of like, like um, it's a realm of uh, that folds in on itself. So traveling light years from one to another, one dimension to another would be instantaneous. So if they've somehow figured out a way to, to use that worm, put it this way, Einstein figured that out what, 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, um, if these people figure that out thousands of years ago, they may be able to achieve doing that leap uh, through a wormhole. Who knows? Um, but again, all that stuff is, you know, theories are theories until they're reality, right? <laughs> until you, until they, they, they happen. So, um, I don't know. I just, I, I do find it fascinating and I, I would like answers and maybe one day we'll have answers. I mean, I think because of smartphones and, and you know, the iPhone and, and, and you know, having the high power cameras and, and, re and video recorders on our phones nowadays has enabled us to, you know, see this stuff a lot more prevalent. So it almost seems like there's probably more, but there's probably no more than there was before. We're just now able to, able to capture it. And there's a fascination for it <clears throat> over the last 20, 30, 40 years. And, um, you know, obviously you're going to have your fakes and your hoaxers and stuff like that, that are out there. And I mean, me being, you know, and that's the one thing, if I ever find something, if I ever see something, which again, which I have seen something before and I, I actually record it, people are automatically going to think that I faked it because I mean, I can do that stuff. I can, I can fake something, but then again, there are ways to, 
look at the data on your phone. If you took it raw with your phone and look at the data and, and look at the, the hard uh, video that you took on your phone and they can peel that apart and find out whether something was added to it or not. So <clears throat> I would willingly turn that over, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you were living in Florida with me at the time uh, where I had this uh, sighting. I'm not sure if you remember this, but no, I, don't, um, actually. I was actually going home from a, from work and it was nighttime and I was traveling on one of the main roads in Tampa. And all of a sudden I, I see, I mean, it was fairly low. I, if I had to guess, I'd maybe say just a, just a couple of miles in, in, in the sky. I mean, it looked pretty low. I mean, probably on the same path that like airplanes fly. So I just thought it was an airplane, but it was, it was these lights that were in a V shape. And so I pulled over to get a better look at this thing because it was flying pretty, it was flying about the pace of an airplane. So I just that naturally thought it was an airplane. But I pulled over to get a better look at this thing and all I could see, I, it was not the shape of an airplane and there is no, there's no way an airplane could have, and plus I could see it. I could see that there was no airplanes. It was low enough where I could, I couldn't make out a shape of the, the craft, but all I could see was the lights. It was in a V shape. And um, I, I just remember I called the, the at first I called my dad <laughs> and, and Barb to tell them what happened. And um, so Barb suggested I call the, the police and see if anybody else had, had uh, reported it. And sure enough, I called the Tampa police and they got dozens of calls. I mean, dozens of calls about this craft. Now, granted, yeah, you're near an airport, you're near an Air Force base. I didn't know what to make of it, but it definitely was not an airplane. And, um, and again, I could just assume that I'm crazy, but again, when you have dozens of other people reporting sightings of the same thing, you know, there's, there's something about it. So yeah. again, there's this whole belief that is it our technology and we're just, you know, um, you know, keeping it from people, but you know, what, what would be the point of us having this technology, putting it out there so that other people can see it and then saying that we don't know about it. Like, I'm, I, I try to think about the benefit of that. Like, is it to keep our adversaries like on uh, their heels of like, okay, well, if they don't know what this is and it's not ours. And I still don't know what the benefit of that is. You know what I mean? It, it makes for a cool conversation, but where politically or militarily does that make sense to, to make that up? So again, this is either someone else's technology um, or somebody rogue in the United States where the government doesn't know about it. I find that hard to believe, or it's extraterrestrial meaning from another planet, not necessarily, you know, aliens or whatever. Well, I guess if it's from another planet, it's alien, <laughs> but yeah. there's another way to put that. <laughs> Anyways, I'm finding it fascinating to, to uh, that that's in the, the mainstream discussions now. And all of a sudden people are taking it seriously before, like, you know, you talk about this stuff, oh, you're a crackpot. Oh, this stuff is, that's nothing. Oh, it's all fake. Everyone. And all of a sudden, oh, well, yeah, there's something to this. You know, I, I think it's, this is just like, there, there's so much stuff that we don't know about. Think about like, they say that 90, more than 90% of our oceans are unexplored. And so once in a while, this weird creature washes up on, on shore or someone catches something on, you know, on a fishing line or something like that, that just nobody's ever seen before. And then people are astonished by it, which is, it, it is amazing. But if there is 90 some percent of our oceans that have not explored, then there's got to be stuff down there that we just don't know about. You know, then I hate to go into the, the, 
the cryptoid stuff with like Bigfoot and stuff. But um, <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, there were people talking about like the the um, the giant panda or the silverback black uh, <clears throat> silverback gorilla for hundreds of years, and it, they were just a myth. They were a story and stuff like this, and nobody believed that they exist. And both of those were found in the in the 20th century. Um, like, so, and that's in areas that we kind of know about. Um, so, again, is, is, I, I tell you what, you can watch a show like uh, Finding Bigfoot, and it's just like, oh, these guys can't find their, their way out of, a, out of the woods, you know what I mean? <laughs> Let alone find Bigfoot. And uh, they don't really seem like the well-put-together people. But you watch, I watched another uh, series called Expedition Bigfoot, which are they're, they're scientists more coming at it from a scientific. And some of the stuff that they've gathered and caught on film and stuff like this themselves while doing it, it's pretty remarkable stuff. Um, you know, again, it's, it's an unknown. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with the unknown. Um, you can even say about dinosaurs, right? There's so much that people fill in the blanks with dinosaurs, right? They, they, about how a dinosaur looked, let's say, we're just filling in the blanks of how that dinosaur looked based on what we have hypothesized about what type of, you know, that it was a lizard type creature, whether it's a bird type creature or something like this. So we, we kind of hypothesize and fill in the blanks of what we think they look like, but we could be way off. I mean, maybe T-Rex was covered in feathers or fur or something like that. And we don't know, you know, I mean, who knows what evolution has done to like the lizard even um, to say that, what 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 an actual t-rex looked like and i don't know i'm not a scientist but i i still find the stuff the unknown stuff fascinating so anyways i i think um you know we are kind of an anomaly in and of ourselves. as much as um you know we know we think we know everything about the human species um medically we're still discovering way things that uh to to cure people to fix things to go deeper into our our cells and our body and stuff like this it's like what, what do they call it in uh in is that interspace there is there's in i don't know unless there's interspace or interspace uh going deep into the body and stuff like that but there's stuff that we've discovered about the human bodies over the last 10 20 years that we never knew we're still just discovering things about you know us <laughs> As as people, um, always just makes me wonder, you know, when, um, you know, again, you either believe in God or you don't believe in God, but I don't know how anybody takes a look at the, the workings of any animal, whether it be a human being or a, a, a possum or a cat or a fish, and look at the miracle of how this thing works and lives and breathes and thinks and does these things. And thinks that it's all just random and by chance. You know, people say, oh, I want proof of God. I, I'm, I'm not going to believe in God until I have proof. Well, look around you. Uh, you either have to believe that this is the biggest accident in the world. Again, someone else likened it to uh, taking a bunch of sheet metal and parts, throwing it up in the air, and when it lands, it forms a 747. It, 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 it would be that random. Like the life Human, whether it be human life or, or animals, has it, it, it's that random where you believe that just anything could you, you throw 
you know, ink up into the, the air. And when it lands on a page, it forms a book. It has to be like that random. I don't know. I, there's, there's more evidence to me that there is a God than there isn't a God, but there are just some people you're never going to convince. I think the big, probably the bigger issue is the fact that there's a difference in how people may think we've evolved, you know, and that's, and that's, and that's a different, that's a completely different discussion. You know, yeah, but why is it the only people that want to discuss that portion of it, it seems are, are Christians because they say, why can't they go hand in hand? Why can't there be creation by an intelligent life that created things that evolved? Well, I why just can't, think, yeah, why I can't think, they both work hand in hand? I think you're right about that. But I just think, well, I don't want to get into a big Bible discussion here by <laughs> any means. But I mean, I'm one of those people that the stories are incredible, but I don't think a lot of them may have actually ha happened the way that they did. I mean, man put together... In my eyes, if you would have, God would, already knows that the earth was round, but man put it in. If you go by that, people thought you went off the end of the earth. So there's <laughs> that there's that human element in a mix of things, and I think that's where a lot of people get caught up. And everybody's trying to spend too much time trying to figure it all out. I've done it myself, and I'm come up with nothing. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, something, there's a couple things that have gone on in my life that make me think that I told you the whole thing with, with the guitar picks a few months back. I mean, that just is really, was really bizarre. And it's too right. long of a story to tell here, but I mean, there's something, there's some, there's something going on out there. In my opinion, it's just that I don't, it may not be exactly as any of us think who knows. No, and we're never going to have the the so-called answers un, until, you know, we die. I think, um, you know. Well, hopefully. I, well, <laughs> look, uh, you know, you talk about the, the, the Bible stories. I think the the one main Bible story that has been kind of verified by science was, is the Great Flood, right? You talk about Noah, whether Noah boarded a, a ship full of animals. Put it this way, something had to happen to make humans survive because science shows that there was a great global flood where the whole entire, basically every part of the land on earth was covered in water um, and then subsided. Um, so that had to have killed off basically everything. And then something had to start all over again. Um, so, you know, and then not only that, but there are other religions have, you know, even, you know, Hindu and stuff like that. They have stories in there. Uh, text that talk about a great flood as well. So I think that there is science behind something like that. Um, yeah, especially if it if if they have a, a fairly good way of estimating when they think that it took time. Obviously going from a from a caveman to where we're at now surely didn't happen in a couple thousand years. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean it's just even right now when we're talking about Einstein and things like that. I mean there's so much you could imagine Let's just speed ahead 5,000 years from now. There's so much of the brain up here that hasn't even been utilized yet. Right. It's just evolving in itself. I mean. Well, and, and to tie that back into the alien theme, I mean, there are, the ancient alien theory is that aliens modified our DNA, the, the missing, whole missing link when they say, well, how do we get from there to there when there's, there's something missing that uh, between the, the, 
the caveman and, and modern man. And their theory is that the aliens genetically modified our DNA to get us there. Now, what I, I don't know what the, you know, I, it's a nice theory and it's a, it's pretty cool to think, but I don't know that that has any relevance in our history. Again, one day we'll find out what's true, what's not true. It's until then, like I said, it's, it's part of the unknown. I mean, any of these aliens, I don't care. They could stop over. I'll hang out with them. I don't do Sometimes I'm just sitting on my porch in a warm weather on a Friday evening, having a drink or two and smoking a cigar. They're welcome. If there's any of them out there listening on there, you know, they could come hang out and meet us Friday. I, I really think that um, they may have a better uh, idea of how to run our government than the current set of clowns that are in there right now. So maybe it would be beneficial if they just introduced themselves somewhere along, along the line. Look, they have to know that we now know that they're there. Um, so why not just say, you know, the jig is up. Just just come down and introduce yourself. Let's find out if you're, you know, benevolent or malevolent to find out which one so we know whether to destroy you or shake hands with you, you know, one well, way the, or the other. I know the crazy thing when I was in an astronomy class, college, that... I mean, obviously, how the computer system is set up with the dots and lines and all that stuff that we've sent. So for them to have that technology would have to be sort of the same design. And we have signals have been traveling for years and years out there hoping that somebody would collect that information and could actually cipher what it is and respond back. Well, we're getting radio waves back now. And they finally, I think I read somewhere where they, the scientists pinpointed like some nearby galaxy where these uh, radio waves are coming from. It, it was literally, it, it was nothing random like space noise or something like that, which is out there. But they said that there's a pattern um, of radio waves and noise coming through that we're picking up and saying, look, this isn't random. This is somebody sending this signal, which is pretty wild. I mean, it may, kind of makes me think of, of, um, uh, of oh, contact with Jodie Foster. If you ever, did you ever see that movie? I can't, I can't <clears throat> remember if I saw it or not. Yeah. She played the scientist and, and, and basically she helped dis decipher this. It was similar, similar things, you know, SETI was, was hearing these radio waves coming from outer space and they figured out it was a message and it was the message being sent back to us that we sent out there to them. Um, on Sputnik or whatever that was, you know, I mean, uh, no, it wasn't Sputnik. What, what, uh, what was the one we sent our, all of our information on? Oh my gosh, I'm having a brain fart. I don't remember that. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I, I know about it, but I don't, I, if you guess it right, I might not even get Voyager. It. Sorry. I, I had a brain fart there, Voyager. So it, um, yeah, they said uh, in the movie, it was this information coming back to us that we sent out there to them. And um, so, and then they, it gave us a way to build a craft to travel through the stars to get to where they're at and stuff like that. But anyways, like in the movie, like these religious people were all upset that, that they were trying to do this because they were saying it was proving that there is no God. I'm like, that was the stupidest part of the whole movie was the fact that, look, if God, if God created everything, he created everything. That means all the life here. That means all the life on other planets and, and elsewhere. I mean, I have a weird theory that people say, well, you know, well, what does that mean? You know, Jesus was here on earth and that make it, makes it unique and he saved our lives and stuff. I'm like, well, listen, maybe these aliens are coming to earth to visit because this is the planet that Jesus was on. Who knows? 
That's that's a pretty. You don't. There, there needs to be a movie made of that, right? Of aliens traveling light years to get to another planet just to see the planet where Jesus Christ was. That's. I think that'd be a great sci-fi movie. Yeah, I mean, it would be interesting. Who's you know who's to say that something similar didn't happen in the evolution of wherever these people are are from? I mean, it's I don't know. It's bizarre. It's just crazy. It makes you when you look. And I, like when I was a teenager, I had a telescope. I used to get in all that. You start looking at all that stuff in the solar systems, and that really does make you. Th- <laughs> you, know, you have a really yeah. powerful telescope, and you start looking at the rings around Saturn, and you can see the how Juniper looks. And it, I mean, it does. It really. You mean you Jupiter? Really, yeah, Jupiter. Not Juniper. Juniper is a flower. Yeah, I'm sorry, Jupiter. And <laughs> you know, you start to. It does. It gets a little. It gets a little eerie at midnight. <laughs> Yeah, well, I tell you, you know, what, you, we went to a planetarium down in Florida, and they basically took us all through space of like what the Hubble telescope has been able to map and record and stuff like deep into space. And then they, they start pulling back and pulling back and pulling back from Earth. And there's like all this stuff. And there's like this void of space. And they're like, this void is all the stuff we don't know what's there. It's stuff that all this stuff here is what we've recorded. And this stuff we haven't recorded. And they're like, it's billions of, of, of solar systems. And I'm like, you know, that's the other thing. When people talk about the Big Bang Theory created the, the whole entire universe. But, you know, you know who coined the phrase Big Bang was a, was a Catholic priest who was an astronomer. People say, well, you know, the Christians don't believe in the Big Bang Theory. A Catholic came up with the term Big Bang Theory. Don't create your own narrative, people. If you don't know what you're talking about, don't say anything at all. Yeah, but so, nobody anyway. knows what they're talking about. Nobody will be talking. Right. Exactly. Everything, yeah, so, <laughs> everything will be silent. <laughs> I know something. No, you don't. Shut up. Okay, you're right. <laughs> we don't know anything. I think they're, the majority of stuff that we think we know that we talk about, we don't know. So, yeah, I mean, it, God, there's a couple things I know for sure, and that's about it. And it's stupid stuff, you know, like making a pizza or, yeah. you know. I know one thing for sure. I know that Jeff James, former Secret Service uh, agent, is going to be up next. Uh, it's a little different for for Blabberbrain show. I get that. You know, we're used to having people like Rudy Sarzo or Lacey Sturm on the show, people like that, rock stars. Uh, you know, this is going to be fun. It's going to be uh, cool to explore a different side, have different conversations. We hope that you all find it amazing, amusing, fun, entertaining. Uh, informational, whatever we can squeeze out of him, we're going to get out of him. Uh, maybe, you know, he's he's not active duty anymore, right? Maybe he can tell us about aliens. Maybe he can <laughs> tell us what what he knows. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 dig as deep as we possibly can and see we, what uh, truths he can he can tell us. But uh, until then, so uh, we're going to take a short break. Stick around. We'll be right back with uh, Jeff James. Blackbirds. What's up, Brainiacs? Today's show is sponsored by Pro3 Services. Pro3 Services is your one-stop shop for school and corporate uniforms, and now they carry scrubs for all you healthcare workers on the front line. Their on-site embroidery and decoration design services help you brand your uniform so you can even put your logo or insignia on just about any apparel with no minimum order restrictions. Even if you're looking for something personal, Pro3 Services can hook you up. Need a t-shirt for Pap Pap's 90th birthday? They got you covered. 150 shirts for your corporate Christmas gifts? No problem. 
Pro3 Services is locally owned in Pittsburgh, PA, and they also support small businesses. Visit Pro3Services.com to place your next order. Tell them you heard about it on the Blabberbrain Show, and they'll knock another 10% off your first order. Pro3Services.com. Check them out. Blabberbrains. And welcome back to Blabberbrain Show. And we've got with us a very special guest in Jeff James, former secret agent man. <laughs> That's why we got the, this uh, Get Smart theme playing in the background. I know I said secret agent man, but like, you know, everybody's... Every, that, that's like a, a a given. Like everybody goes to that song. Let's let's do a little bit of Maxwell Smart. Although nobody under the age of 40 knows that music. They're like, what the heck is it? Unless you've seen the Steve Carell version anyways. They uh, used that music for for the movie. I didn't yeah, see it. Yeah, they did. They actually that was that was their their theme song. So Anyways, Jeff, hey, thanks for being on our show. As you can see, Mark and I are uh, playing the role of your secret service tonight. So you are screwed, my friend. <laughs> Prepare to die. <laughs> I, I'll take a bullet, but, you know, maybe if it's like uh, paintball, you know, maybe. Yeah, it's, a, it's a good starting point. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? And at my age, that's still a gamble. <laughs> so anyways uh welcome to the show and uh really appreciate you coming on this is uh, different for blabber brain show usually we have a musical guest on or some sort of entertainer on and uh i i really when mark and i started talking about this i thought uh you know what this is going to really give us some good diversity and we can make entertainment out of anything right <laughs> <laughs> so let's run, let's just run down uh, your your background here. You were a, a Secret Service under all the way back to who? Bill Clinton. Correct. Yeah, I was. And, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And then under I'm assuming under uh, Bush and Obama and Trump. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And how long have you been retired now? A couple of years. Two years. Yeah. Two years. All right. And uh, what? You just got bored with it, or what? You just. <laughs> no, you know, I I actually uh, you know I loved it. I still loved it. You know after you know, I retired after 22 years and still really enjoyed it. But, you know, an opportunity came along to, um, to continue on in law enforcement, but not have to travel to be home. My, my kids are 14, 12 and nine. Right. Um, so when the opportunity came along to, um, be able to continue to make a, make a decent living and, um, and still carry a badge and gun every day, which I, which I really relish, you know, I love being in law enforcement and, uh, and not have to, be you know living in a hotel room it was it was a little bit too hard to pass up so so you are now the the chief enforcer at uh, robert morris is that correct am yeah i run the police department down there, so. <laughs> all right so everybody better be on their best behavior there i mean that's you got your hands full when you're talking about college kids right i mean that's you know we we have a really good population um you know nothing uh it's it's all the nonsense you'd expect from college kids but it's right. never it hasn't in knockwood um hasn't been anything serious yet yeah, it's not um, like it's Pitt or IUP. Come in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have it that bad. <laughs> so anyways, um, so what made you uh, want to get into the Secret Service? Like, take us back there. Like, what uh, what were the steps that said, that's what I want to do for as a career? Yeah, so I got out of college and I was actually, uh, my bachelor's degree is in education. So I was teaching high school English. And um, and like every decision a man makes, it's about a girl, right? Right. So uh, I was... Um, I was dating a gal whose cousin uh, is now a retired agent and I became acquainted with him and he put the bug in my ear at the time. And he said, you know, I know you've got an interest in law enforcement. Do you ever think about applying to the secret service? And I was like, you know, no, they're never going to hire me. They're never going <laughs> to hire me. And he's like, Oh, come on. And I'm like, no, I don't have any, the right background. 
And I keep telling him no. And, she, and one day she goes, hey, why don't you try it? And of course I go, okay, you know, since it's, <laughs> you know, now it's her idea. Um, and I applied and, uh, you know, I was fortunate to, uh, you know, it's about an eight step process between uh, written exams and physicals and uh, interviews and panel interviews and a lie detector test and a background investigation and all that. And I was uh, able to jump all the hurdles and uh, it took about a year and a half and then they called me and said, uh, it was, it was actually the funny story is it was the second day of school. It was, uh, the end of August in 1996. And they called and said, Hey, you report for training in a month. So on the second day of school, I had to go into my boss and tell him <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was leaving. And, uh, but they, they didn't have any trouble finding a replacement for me. So. Oh, that's good. So, um, your, and your first duty was, uh, with, with Bill Clinton, um, or was it lower level? Like yeah, it was lower level. My, I was actually assigned, um, I, I was supposed to go to either Washington or New York right away. Cause the secret service has field offices all over the country. Right. And, um, two weeks they, when they initially called me, they said, Hey, you report for training in a month. Um, they called me a couple of weeks later and the guy says, um, Hey, how'd you like to stay home for a while? And I said, you know, yeah, yeah, I can be patient. I, I thought he meant they canceled the training class or right, something. Right. And I said, yeah, I, I can be patient. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure my bosses haven't replaced me yet. I'll be okay. <laughs> and he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, what are you talking about? And it turned out that um, the field office in Pittsburgh has, uh, there's 10 agents stationed in Pittsburgh that cover Western Pennsylvania and, and West Virginia. And one of the uh, fellows there put in his papers to retire that previous week. So they said, hey, we'll, we'll have an open spot by the time you're done with training. So it worked out that I was able to start here in Pittsburgh. And what I did from here was I would travel to, um, you know, supplement protection for the president, vice president. Uh, the Secret Service also protects all foreign heads of state. So anytime a, a foreign president, king, prince, prime minister comes to the United States, they, they put a detail together from agents from throughout the country. So I, I did a lot of that wow. um, during that time. And then um, in uh, right at the uh in 2000 was when I went down to DC. So what, what's the first thing they teach you is uh, to lose your sense of humor. Is that what you got to do? Like, <laughs> don't ever laugh. Don't ever <laughs> smile. <laughs> Just look straight ahead. Look serious all the time. <laughs> Failed miserably. Cause, um, so, uh, no, it's, um, you know, the, the first thing they really teach you is something you probably already come in with and that's just a dedication to mission. Right. And, and they talk about that a lot. And and look, if I did this job, anybody could do it. I, you know, I think people have this idea of secret service agents. I say all the time, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty good runner and I, I could do a decent amount of pull-ups, but I can't slam a basketball. I can't bench press 300 pounds, you know, none of this other stuff. And um, so my point is, if I could do this, anybody could do it. But the people who aren't successful are people who come in with, um, without a sense of mission and, with, and without a, a dedication to a, to a team effort, because it really is, because you you couldn't do it yourselves. I mean, even the way the Secret Service depends on our law enforcement partners, and, and you see it, you know, here in Pittsburgh when the president lands in, in at the airport and has to come into downtown, and we depend on the state troopers to secure the parkway for us while we bring the motorcade, and we couldn't do that ourselves. Right. Uh, we just don't have the manpower. I keep saying we. The Secret Service couldn't. <laughs> they just don't have the manpower. Well, everybody um, knows. Yeah. So, uh, so it's um, you know, it it always has to be that that um, you know, dedication to the mission and the team effort. Um, and the other part is that it's very, I feel like, a, sometimes I feel like a jerk when I say this part, but the, the big part is, is it's a tremendous amount of pressure and right. that's something else that not everybody can handle. 
Um, and, and we do, you know, we do lose people who work for us a couple of years and decide it's not for them and move on um, because it is, um, and it's not just the pressure of when you're actually with the president, it's the pressure of, you know, your phone rings at any time and you have to answer. Right. And, and whatever they tell you on the other end, it's, it's pretty hard to say no. And I had a couple of times where I was driving, I, I was in DC driving to work and my phone rang and they said, Hey, turn around, go home and pack and be in, you know, Milwaukee as soon as you can. Um, so then you're calling, you know, you're calling the wife, honey, um, guess, <laughs> guess what I'm tonight you know yeah she i guess she has to expect that and 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 learn to live with that yeah and 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 that and that leads to pressure to you know the home life and uh you know and and my wife was great you know she's um unfortunately she's she's an incredibly independent woman always was um so i didn't have to worry about you know leaving her alone and worrying that if a pipe broke would she know what to do i you know i always knew she she was able to handle things like that um so so that made things a lot easier on me uh, even though it was hard you know, leaving the kids and everything. And I felt awful, you know, leaving her as a single mother and when the times I did, but, um, yeah, but that's, you know, that's that ripple effect of, of, you know, the, you kind of, that pressure bleeds into your home life too. So that can get tough on people. Right. And, and so how does that escalate up to, uh, uh, presidential detail? Is it, uh, just tenure? Is it, uh, your, your service? Is it, uh, your abilities? Like, is it your next or what, like, how do you, how do you get pushed up there? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's something you have to be recommended for. So um, the the actual I always feel like a jerk saying this part too. The, the actual number of, of agents on the president's detail is actually a classified number. Um, we have we have three thousand. I keep saying we. The Secret Service has about three thousand agents worldwide, um, and you know we we can't dedicate all of them just to the president because of the investigative mission and and uh, and the other people that get protected. So. It, it is a small number and it, and again, it's something that, you know, they look at everything. They look at your PT scores. They look at your shooting scores. You have to have recommendations from your, from your previous supervisors uh, because they can, they can afford to be selective. Well, look, I, you know, just to set the record straight, we only have about maybe five to 7,000 people that watch this show, maybe up a little, little bit more than that. You're not on active duty anymore. So anything you want to share with us, you're perfectly fine to share. I, I, I you're not going to get in any for trouble for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, so. I, I think, I think you'd be surprised for having actually having secret in the name. I think you'd be shocked at how much I can actually tell you. <laughs> and well, then we'll, I'll, we'll have to do some digging. I always <laughs> said too, you know, we have, we have a, a, trinket store where we sell everything from t-shirts sweatshirts hats i'm like we got a lot of guts calling ourselves secret when we put our star on on shot glasses and sell it to everybody most well-known service (laughs) see went up until a couple years ago i didn't even know you worked for the secret service because i we we went to school together i think i'm a year ahead of you yeah one or two years i graduated back in 84 and i really don't keep up I, i really don't keep up with the whole east allegheny scene until you know, a little bit on Facebook and stuff. And then I don't know, I didn't even know it was you when I looked at your photo, you look so much different than when we were in high school. And uh, I didn't even, I, w- I, w- I was unaware of it until become, you know, until we started becoming friends on Facebook and watching some of the interviews that you do. I check out everything that you, that you've done. If you post and say, you're going to be on. He's your biggest you know, fan, Jeff. Oh yeah. <laughs> I've bought all your albums, <laughs> but I do have one question for you. It's been on my mind probably for about a year now. Now is obviously from some of the stories I've heard you talk about seem, you know, most of them sound like they're from the Bush Bush administration. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that you, 
talked about how you guys would run with him. I know he's a very avid runner. And did, was there ever a time like at 1230 night on a Saturday where he might tell one of you guys, hey, the Wendy's drive-through is closed at one. Can you go get us a couple burgers and a few Frosties? Or is there anything goofy like that that goes on? That that actually does things like that do happen, but it's not us who do the the running. It would be the the White House staff. His staff would go get stuff for him, and that was all the presidents. Like if they, you know, they had a pizza place they really liked, um, well, they'd Mark, send beneath them. Yeah, they'd send out the staff out. I was doing. I was saying it to be funny. I. <laughs> <laughs> but you know the 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 good part is the anonymity of sending someone who's kind of an unknown to get this stuff helps. Cause if, you know, if they know it's for the president, you might get a bad guy who decides, Oh, I'm going to put some funky stuff on this, on this right. pizza and see what happens. Uh, in fact, everything that's everything that goes to the white house, like one of the investigations that happens here in Western Pennsylvania is the, um, there, what's the potato chip plant out by, uh, Altoona. Is it Snyder? Snyder. Yeah. Well, they were, mm -hmm. um, in past administrations supplying potato chips to the white house. So we would periodically go out there and we, we do what are called supply house canvases where we go and we interview people and we try to figure out if there, are, you know, if there's anyone who might have um, a grudge against the president since they know part of their supplies going to the white house. And we ensure that nothing that's made for the white house is segregated that, Hey, you're making a box of chips and you don't know where it goes. It could go to giant Eagle or it could go to the white house um, because there really is the opportunity there for someone to, you know, right. to do something to the, to the supply. So now what, um, I'm assuming that they have, uh, and I'm sure you can talk about this. They have, uh, the, your basic secret service, like, like Mark and I, where we're dressed like this and you can tell we're secret service. And then you have your plain clothes people, like they're just blending in with everybody. You don't know who's who, right? What, what, what primarily did, uh, what role did you get? Or did you mix back and forth? Yeah, I did. I mixed back and forth. So just in the five years um, or the seven years, rather, I was with uh, traveling with President Bush. I, I did both things. So I, um, you know, I was one of the guys in the suits who was right around him, who just spent his day with him, whether it was he just stayed in the Oval Office all day or whether, you know, we went to Andrews, jumped on Air Force One, flew to uh, Kansas City for the day and flew back. And then I did some time um, in, we call it our Connor surveillance unit. And those were the folks who just dress in plain clothes and blend in with the crowd. And we look for the precursors to an attack, um, you know, look for anything untoward in the crowd. And then I actually did about nine months where um, in our air security unit. So we'd go out wherever the president or vice president goes, we set up a secure airspace around there. So we'd coordinate with air traffic control to put the notice out about, you can't fly through this airspace. And then we coordinate with the military to have, um, assets in place for us if someone would traverse the airspace to go intercept it. Um, and so it was what, what was nice about it was in that, in that time frame. Um, well, it's good and bad. It's good because you're, you're kind of always doing something new. So nothing gets stale. Uh, but the bad part is every time you move, you're the new guy right. <laughs> somewhere. So, you know, hey, you're working midnights. So, oh, great. You know, <laughs> so, um, so I'm sure so, yeah. you I'm sure you probably knew some of the people that were on the on duty with uh, Cheney when he had his hunting accident. Uh, where was uh, were they just like cracking up about that, or was there anybody like this is serious, or were people just like <laughs> like dying well, of laughter? I think <laughs> it, it took some distance from it. You know what, what's the old saying? Um, you know, comedy is tragedy plus time. Right. It really took some time before people were laughing about it <laughs> okay. um, because it was. Uh, yeah, those moments. And, and, you know, we're, we're fortunate that, um, 
you know, we're, we all have emergency medicine training and the president and vice president always have a doctor, you know, with them. But uh, actually now it's three layers. There's always a doctor, a physician's assistant and a nurse with the president and vice president. Um, so, it, uh, you know, there's, there's going to be, there was the ability to respond immediately when that, when that gentleman was shot. But yeah, it was, it took a while before anybody was laughing. <laughs> okay. How about, uh, did you, uh, did you serve with Dan Bongino at all? I did. Yeah. Um, and Dan, and I still keep in touch. Um, in fact, I'll tell a story. Dan saved my bacon one day. Um, we, uh, President Bush was going to uh, Walter Reed Hospital to, to visit some of the troops, some of the wounded troops that come home, came home from, uh, from Afghanistan and Iraq. And I was, um, I was tasked with setting up the security. So I was out there, you know, about four or five days ahead each day, you know, getting everything ready and get the itinerary together. And one of the things we do whenever the president goes somewhere, whatever facility we, we want to go to, we, if we can't pull underground or pull into a garage where it would be out of sight when he gets out of the limousine, we'll build these giant, uh, have a tent maker come in and build these giant tents and we can pull the limousine into it. And uh, Dan was driving the limousine that day. And part of his responsibility is he comes out and run the route, runs the routes early to make sure like no construction popped up overnight or anything like that. Right. So he comes uh, trotting into Walter Reed and he grabs me. He goes, Hey Jeff, uh, they got your tent up outside. And I'm like, Oh, okay, great. And he goes, yeah, brother, it's too low. And I'm like, what? And we go out and look at it and they didn't extend the poles high enough. And um, so he and I just went around and, and extended them. It was an easy fix. But had they tried to pull the limousine in there and had to stop because it wouldn't have fit, that, that could have been a, the, the next week they could have said, oh, hey, we got your orders. You're, you're, you know, we're reassigning you to uh, you know, Jersey City <laughs> or uh, Anchorage, Alaska or something nice. like that. So Yeah, not pleasant. Yeah, so I still, uh, I still occasionally thank them for that one. So. Oh, that's good. That's a, that's a good story. So um, what is the connection, as far as you know, with the Men in Black and Secret Service? Is, that, uh, is the Men in Black, are they, are they with the aliens or are they with the government? Yeah, they're, they're a whole other agency. Yeah, we don't go near those guys. Okay. Because, so, <laughs> you know, there's, there's talk that they, are, that they are with the aliens. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, just, I'm sticking with our theme from before. We were talking a little bit about UFOs since UFOs have, have been making their way around the, the news lately. So, you know, and, and, never, and aside from, you know, the, the whole thing with the Men in Black movie came from the, these uh, sightings of Men in Black. Um, interestingly enough, and we were also talking about uh, cryptozoids and stuff like this with Bigfoot and stuff like this. But another uh, you know, urban legend is uh, the Mothman. I'm not sure how much you know about the Mothman of West Virginia. <laughs> and um, if you dig deep down into that story, it's, it's, there's like layers and layers and layers to that story, including um, uh, UFOs in, involved with this whole thing and men in black showing up in the town of Point Pleasant at the time of the Mothman being there. And, um, and they're, you know, driving these uh, old, you know, 19, you know, 40s cars, 50s cars. It looked like they just rolled off the showroom floor, they said. And they you know, would hand them a pen and they didn't even know what the heck to do with the pen. Like they didn't know what it was and stuff like that. It's just the, the weirdest stories about these people. And I think all those stories compiled about Men in Black is where they came up with the movie Men in Black. But um, so you, didn't, you never had that duty? You never had to, like uh, be Secret Service for a, an, al an alien or something like that? No, but I would have I would have relished it. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big, uh, look, I, all I know is I go out with my kids some nights and we stand and we look up at the sky 
And I think it's awfully arrogant of us to assume that we're the only intelligent life among all these stars. We were just saying that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and, you know, people talk about intergalactic, you know, even my kids will say, well, you know, we can't travel to other planets. And I say, yeah, but what if there's a civilization that was as advanced as we are 10,000 years ago? Right. And now they, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, well, it's incredible. Like, if you think like I, I, I brought up like Einstein, you know, when did he came up with, come up with the uh, wormhole theory it was, you know, 70 years ago, something like that. If, if he thought of that, of the wormhole 70 years ago and, and, and the theory of it, and it actually exists and they are a thousand or 10,000 years ahead of us or whatever, maybe they figured out a way how to get to that wormhole and travel through that. And, and to them, it's not, light years away it's like instantaneous you know what i mean yeah. whatever so who knows so it's a lot of fun to to think about but um what do you make of these uh of, of the government releasing this information on ufos well look I, th- I think it's i think there's a need for transparency so i think it's good i think it satisfies a lot of people and i, and I think it's it's one of two things or i'm sorry one of three things um it's either it's either ufos like an, a, an actual extraterrestrial that, that's right. visiting well they're all um, ufos are unidentified yeah they're all that's why i corrected that um right. and or it's it's technology that we have that we're testing or probably the most frightening i think even more than an extraterrestrial extraterrestrial is uh it's it might be russia or china you know testing their technology which we are admitting well we can't do this crap <laughs> right. well that's, so, that's exactly my point of what we talked about is it, there, there's there's no good scenario here either right. but but i thought about the scenario of that it's our technology and we're just pre- pretending that we don't know that it's ours whatever but what is the benefit for that there's no benefit to saying we're we're going to show everybody this technology that it's out there and just claim that we don't know what it is that might be a good conversation to say our, our adversary say, well, if it's not theirs and it's not ours, then whose is, it? I mean, keep them guessing on things, but it still serves no purpose militarily or, or strategically or politically. I, I don't think it's ours unless it's a secret, uh, you know, program that was put together that the government doesn't know about it. And I don't believe that that's the case. So I, I'm with you. This is either, uh, foreign technology to the United States that someone's figured out how to do this stuff and they're messing with us because these things keep showing up over our, our military bases um, or it's extraterrestrial. Either way, it's not good. <laughs> right. Well, especially- I will tell you though, the, the, the one thing I will say about, you know, some people say, if it is ours, why do we, why are we, just like you said, why are we releasing it so the, the Chinese and the Russians know, look, they know what we know already and we know everything they know. Um, you know, the, the spy mechanism for all three of those countries, um, and even some smaller countries, um, like Israel, it's, it's just so adept. And, you know, I lived in Washington, DC for almost 20 years, and it was always approximated. There was about 10,000 spies living in Washington, DC. And it's probably about, it, it, it's always, guess it's the same number in Moscow as well. Um, but you know, we'd have, and I would tell these young agents that came on, you know, you're going to be posted outside. Like the, the president goes to the state department, and we would have exterior posts around the State Department when he was there. And I'd tell him, you know, you're going to have 15 people come up to you and say, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, is the president here? Oh, that's pretty cool. And 14 of them are going to be, you know, somebody who's new to D.C. or they're going to be curious tourists. But that 15th person is going to be a spy who's going to be looking to create an asset out of you. Right. Yep. Um, so, you know, I just tend to just, 
you know, give everybody the same answer. You know, there's no need to lie. I, I always got to kick out of the guys and say, oh, I can't tell you what's going on. You know what? There's, there's freaking limos and SUVs. <laughs> you can, like you can see what's going on. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh, the president's here. He's, you know, he's visiting some of the employees at the State Department. He's making a little speech. Oh, okay, great. And they go on their way. Well, I said, tell people, but don't tell anybody anything more. And if people press you, that's when you just say, you know, like, do like, oh, oh, excuse me. I got to, you know, and then you walk, <laughs> walk away. <laughs> it solves the problem. So do you, do you actually think that there is information about alien technology or aliens or, or, or anything like that with these crafts that the president doesn't know about? Or do you, do you think that there's something being kept even from the president because for whatever reason? I think, yeah, I think in every, look, I think we know the stuff some, somewhere in some animal, annals of our, of our government, somebody knows everything. There's just, there's too much, even though they say they, um, they dismantled Project Blue Book. I mean, the, the stuff still goes on. It's just under a different name now. Right, right. Um, so, well, was but A tip was the most recent one. Yeah, right. So, um, but I always think that people, and especially the people that surround the president, are very careful to make sure about, more than a handful of things that he has plausible deniability, right? Um, whether it's a military operation or whether it's UFOs or whether it's, um, you know, new, new technology that DARPA is creating. Um, he's, you know, they're going to make sure that he can say, Hey, you know, I, I have no idea. Now the chief of staff might know actually more than the president knows, right? Because they're the one who's saying, all right, it stops with me. He's not going to learn about this. Well, because, I mean, there have been presidents like Reagan and like Clinton who kind of went into the the job kind of wanting to know this stuff and they came out not knowing anything about it. And like, I, speaking of Dan Bongino, I think he just recently uh, asked Trump, he asked about, about UFOs and Trump said, look, he says, I, I hear things I want to believe, but I'm the kind of person that like, I have to see it and I haven't seen it. Yeah. So, um, is, is he lying? Is he just covering up or that, are they really just not sharing that with him? You know? Yeah. And it could be any of the three. Um, right. I, I, I believe that if the president stomped his foot and said, this is going to happen, then it would have, if he was going to say, take me to hangar 18 or whatever they want to call that, I want to see it. He would get to go to hangar 18 and see it. Yeah. Um, that makes you think of like the movie uh, Independence Day where, you know, Bill Pullman as the president, he had no clue about Area 51. Right. Well, he, he knew about the base, but he didn't know that there was uh, aliens being stored down there. So, I mean, it's like they're like, no, we just we didn't we couldn't tell you, <laughs> you know, type of thing. There's, pro there's that's probably closer to the truth. You know what I mean? And even though it was a movie. So anyways, how about um, since you since you can share some stuff with us? Uh, and you served under uh, Obama as well, and uh, and and Biden as VP. How how much did uh, Hunter Biden abuse his privilege uh, f as the son of of the VP? You know, I I I could only I only saw that I actually only laid eyes on Hunter Biden about three or four times and never really interacted with him. Um, because you know, there's there's stuff coming out in the media now about he was using you know the you know transportation, airplanes, cars, stuff like this, um, you know, to do his own private business and stuff is it's just coming out now. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wouldn't the, the Secret Service attach himself to the president, vice president's family? I would think so. So would he have Secret Service with him when he's doing these things? He would. Yeah. So the bottom line comes down to this. When, when, 
when you're on someone's details, so whether, you know, and I'll just look at, you know, I spent time with President Trump's children, the, all, all the, even his, uh, some of his grandchildren I spent time protecting. Um, when they go to a building in the middle of Manhattan or they go to an embassy and they go into a room, you know, we're outside the room. We never really hear in a, a lot of times what they're talking about. Now, if, right. the, if it's the president, someone's always in the room. Somebody always has to have eyes on the president. Somebody always has to have eyes on the vice president. But someone like a kid, like he can go into a business meeting in a boardroom and we're not going to hear what they're talking about. So, you know, all we would really know is, hey, he went to a, a meeting in this, you know, at the, I don't know, um, embassy of El Salvador, or he went to, uh, you know, we were in Manhattan and he went on at the corner of Park and Lex in this office building. He went to a meeting. We're not really in a lot of ways privy to what they're talking about. Right. Um, but the other thing that, that needs to be assured is, you know, we're still law enforcement. So we can't allow the people we protect to break the law. So if we are cognizant of someone we protect, you know, actively committing a crime, that has to be pushed forward. And that's pushed forward on, internally on our side. Like, I'm not going to go up to him and put cuffs on him right there. <laughs> right. <now>. Um, <laughs> but, but that's something that would get, would get pushed forward. And, um, does that know, ever I think happen? You, well, I think you saw it in small ways, like with the Bush daughters trying to use fake IDs and stuff like that. Okay. You know, you saw it in small ways. Um, I, I wasn't there, but I heard stories of, uh, there was a presidential candidate in the early, I'm sorry, in the late eighties in the, um, in the 1988 election who was, um, and, and we also protect all major presidential candidates. And that, okay. we took that you over didn't protect after me us. this last election. Yeah. Well, where it's up. What you what, didn't qualify, man. You got it. You got to meet certain, uh, <laughs> hey, I only meet certain needed, parameters. I only needed 78 million more votes. <laughs> and it could have been me. He, he missed it. By I could have yeah. brought, in, brought you out of retirement. Um, but there was a candidate who liked to, uh, like to partake in, uh, smoking marijuana occasionally and that got reported and we our director actually contacted him and said look you either refuse secret service protection or you stop doing that because it can't be both ways right um so again that wasn't anything i witnessed that was you know told to me by agents uh, who were there you know who were part of that but um, yeah so that's the bottom line too is we're still cops so you guys uh, uh like sworn to uh you know after your retirement to to certain things like if, if someone wanted, wanted to write a book and have like a whistleblower type of thing like are you sworn like you can't do that or otherwise you could be arrested or something like that or what what, what is the protocols yeah. for that well we signed non-disclosure agreements when we when we retire and what it essentially says is anything you couldn't talk about on the job you still shouldn't talk about after like whatever was classified then is still classified um, you can write a book of, about anecdotes. You can write a book about your history. I could write a book about, um, you know, I, like uh, the training I've had and how um, how you can use it in, to keep yourself secure in in your um, in your life. And that's part of what I do on my YouTube channel. I do videos about self defense and stuff like that. Um, but the you know part of it is so there's a the stuff that's classified. But then the other part is. Protection of, of anybody, even if you're just a bodyguard for some star, you know, like when Mark becomes famous and he hires me to be his bodyguard. I, well past, I, think, I think I'm well past that yeah. my prime, but yeah, he's, I he's, appreciate you throwing that in there. <laughs> um, one, of, one of the things is there has to be trust for me to have proximity. I can't protect him from 30 yards away. Right. So if he doesn't trust me to be close, uh, the protection is going to fail. So 
um, you know, we don't, we don't talk about what we hear. That's like, I, I love the one that everybody, every time I give a talk, somebody asks me, oh, Hillary Clinton, I heard she was terrible. You know, I heard she threw a phone one time and I always say, okay, how many of you here throw thrown a phone? And just about everybody <laughs> raises their hand. I said, how yeah, we lost a call. <laughs> yeah, just the world doesn't see us do it. Um, right. So we see these people at their best and their worst. I I saw, um, you know, I, I saw uh, Gerald Ford in his underwear one time when he it was <laughs> morning. He opened his hotel room door to get the newspaper, and he was there in his boxers. And and uh, but you know that's that's you know we need to have that. They need to have that implicit trust in us to um, to make sure that that we can protect them properly. So Is you know, we see him at their best say, and worst. Say that is like, how's it hanging? Yeah, uh, Mr. President. But <laughs> I was like, oh, the pageantry. <laughs> Anyways, well, how about like, I mean, do you do you have stuff like uh, uh, just some f- funny or interesting s- stories that you would be able to compile to make your own book or anything? Yeah, you know, I thought about it. I'm just, uh, you know, and I think I expressed this to Mark. I'm, you know, just a little bit lazy about actually sitting down and getting it all typed out. Well, thanks for um, doing our show. I mean, like, no, this is, this is I'd rather <laughs> talk right than in. write. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I do, I do think about that from time to time. Um, but, you know, by the time I get home from work, I'm just tired. And the thought of sitting down and, and punching stuff out or, you know, I got to, you know, my son's going to lacrosse or my daughter got to be picked up from dance. And, uh, you know, that, you know, I started to think maybe if I just took an hour, I get up early on the weekends, you know, maybe if I just took an hour Saturday and an hour Sunday and just started it going, you know, before everybody's awake, maybe it would lead to something. But, um, but yeah, I think about it from time to time. What's, what's the, uh, the strangest or funniest uh, uh, memory of being a, a secret service agent. I mean, what, like, is there something that just stands out like this? Nothing will ever top this. Like, is there something that stands out for you? Um, the, you know, and this is just a small one, but it's, it's kind of the way things become surreal. So the, the second floor and the third floor of the white house are the private residence for the first family. And like when they're in there sleeping on midnights, we, we post out outside of the doors on the second floor so we could get in quickly or if they'd hit a panic button or if we need to evacuate or something, but we really don't go in there unless we're called in or unless we'd have to go in for an emergency. Um, so the president, uh, president Bush goes up to the third floor. There's a gym and uh, he's in there working out and I'm just like outside the door <laughs> and all of a sudden um, his head pops around the corner and he goes, Jeff, and I said, yes, sir. And he goes, get in here and give me a spot. <laughs> hey, I wasn't giving him any, you know, I'm like, come on, come on, push it, push it back to me, push it back to me. Come on, come on. You got another one. You got another one. But, um, oh, but it's one of those moments you walk away and you're like, holy crap, I just spotted the president. <laughs> another funny, funny the, the, the other funny story I tell um, about President Bush is uh, his, his ranch in Texas was a working ranch, 2000 acres. It was, um, right. It's a beautiful part of the world. It, and it was, it was weird because part of his ranch looked like the moon. It was all rocky and dry, but then you went down over this hillside and it was all lush and green and it's, it's really cool. And, and since it was a working ranch, he'd go out and cut and burn. And, and there was a big, uh, a big pile of rotted wood in this one area where he was burning. And this guy, uh, one of the other guys, Joe Casey says, um, Hey Jeff, be careful over by that wood. I'm pretty sure I heard a rattlesnake. And I was like, oh, lovely. 
Because yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> um, the rattlesnakes down there, they get this big around. Oh, I mean, yeah. they're they're just tremendous. They're and, uh, and um, so Joe Joe Hagen was walking by, who was you know one of the high level staffers with the president, and, and we just said, "Hey, Mr. Hagen, can you make sure the president doesn't come near here?" I think we heard a rattlesnake in there. So. He goes, of course, and he tells the president, hey, stay away. Instead of just guiding him away. So now the president's like, what? A snake, a snake. And he comes over and he's like poking. <laughs> so we had, um, we had some machine guns that we would carry in these um, ballistic nylon packs. So he's there poking at this pile of wood with a, with a stick going, Where, you know, where's the snake? Where's the snake? So Joe and I kind of slide up on either side of him and we put the packs down like in front of our shins thinking if this thing strikes, at least it'll hit the pack instead of like... <laughs> <laughs> This isn't the story I wanted to tell. <laughs> I wanted to tell it was a hail of bullets and I, you know, got in front of, it wasn't, I don't want to tell the story. You know, I, I got gangrene from a snake bite you know, and lost the bottom of my leg or something. Well, it's all danger. You know what I mean? You're putting yourself yeah. in, in, in uh, line of duty. That's all, man. So anyway, so what's, what's next for you? What, uh, is, are you just focusing on, uh, you know, being a the family man and, and protecting RMU or is there anything else uh, big on your, your agenda coming up or? Um, not really. I'm going to continue with, uh, I also have a, um, a consulting firm mm -hmm. that I do, uh, do on the side. I, I, I do uh, active shooter survival training. I do um, uh, self-defense. I'm also certified by the state of Pennsylvania to do risk and threat assessments for schools and churches and stuff like that. So that, um, that, that adds a little bit of time, you know, here and there to the, to the calendar. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try to, you know, continue to try to build that that brand a little bit. I, I'm Mark knows I get involved a little bit with the media. Uh, in fact, I got a call this week from, um, from one of the Fox affiliates in D the, from the Fox affiliate in DC. They wanted me to come on about what law enforcement is going to do now in DC once the national guard moves out. But I was, um, not just bad timing. I was unavailable. Right. I'd kind of like to grow that, uh, grow that part a little bit. Um, but yeah, but so far so good. I, I love my job at RMU. I got a great team out there. Um, you know, I have, uh, the president, Dr. Chris Howard out there. He's a, he's a great boss. And, and I report directly to the, um, the chief counsel and, uh, she's a great boss too. So, yeah, I think they might need a couple tons of dynamite to get me out of there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I do have a couple uh, Mark stories though. Yeah. Well, please share. I'm, I'm, I know our, our audience wants to hear these. So cut. The, yeah. no, I'm going to, I'm going to cut your Mark, my, your mic, Mark. So yeah, Mark was a Mark was a year ahead of me, and when uh, when I was in seventh grade, I was I was messing around with guitar and bass a little bit, and and uh, Mark would play for um, he'd accompany the choir for these chorus shows, and and the choir director um, Keith Bertaluzzi said to me, "Hey, do you want to come out and you know see about playing guitar with us?" And I'm like, "Yeah," and I probably <laughs> I thought I was hot shit because I knew four chords, right? <laughs> and I come out. And I listened to Mark play a little bit and I'm like, oh no, like this, no, I'm not going to even try. So, uh, so yeah, Mark shut down my guitar career pretty quick just by showing me up <laughs> on Tuesday at Park Terrace Middle School. So yeah, uh, back in, I was mostly playing bass too. <laughs> Wasn't yeah. even so much with the, uh, with the regular electric guitar, but yeah, I, th I think about that every now and then about Mr. Berluzzi. I, when I learned to play bass a little bit, I picked up on quick. I played trumpet for years prior to that. And he would go out of his way to put together bass parts for me to perform. Oh, you got to be out of class all day, you know, or, <laughs> yeah, you know, or, Hey, we're going to do something that some woman's auxiliary thing. I'm going to, you live, you live on the street. 
this street here. So just, I'm going to give you a pass, go home and change, bring your bass up. Will this work? And he would, he knew that I was really into music and he could tell. And most of his kids did not like him at all as a music teacher, but he was really cool with me because he knew I was into it yeah. and he would, he would incorporate me in it. Any, anything they had going on with the chorus to be able to, you know, yeah. pl play an play an instrument, bass or guitar or even trumpet. I remember him giving it to me one time because he was helping me with guitar and I, I didn't practice for a couple of weeks and I came in for a lesson and oh, I, I never saw him lose his temper. But he's like, your fingers are soft. He goes, I can tell your you're, you're not practicing. And I'm like, okay, stop <laughs> yelling. You know? um, but then the other Mark thing is I, you know, I hear the singing he does now. And if you would have heard him sing in high school, you would have never dreamed. You would have been like, okay, just play your guitar. Uh, don't worry <laughs> about much it. But, uh, it <laughs> but uh, he's turned into a, quite a vocalist there. So, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're kind of fond of the big M he's, uh, he's made a name for himself there. And, uh, uh, a 53 album sold worldwide. Well, you know, he's the king of James Total. street, you know, I mean, I know there's people disputing it saying it's only in the mid forties, but I'm telling you it's 53. Well, you, you won't get any argument out of me for that one. I'll tell you what. All right, Jeff. Well, Hey, listen, this has been a blast. I wait. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. We, we do have to go. Okay. So, nicely um, played again. <laughs> uh, we really appreciate you coming on. This is a lot of fun to uh, talk about this stuff. Hope uh, it wasn't too boring for you. Oh, no, no. Hey, the, the pleasure is humbled <laughs> and flattered that you asked. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish both of you a lot of success. This is, uh, I got to go listen to some back, uh, back issues and catch up so we could uh, have more to talk about. Yeah. We awesome. need to get, we still need to get together to have a couple beers. Now things are starting to settle down a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for sure. Well, yep, uh, that's a subject for another time. Things are opening back up, and we'll have to we're going to open up a whole other can of worms if we start talking about right. that. Again. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in once again. Uh, and for the Big M, this is Michael Cadry. Thanks to Jeff James, our guest, and uh, we will catch you guys next time. See you. Pleasure. Thank you.